Let our trained professionals help you come down from the high of the game. Here on the Leafs Nation postgame on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and the Leafs Radio Network. Against the boards into the Rangers zone underneath the fallen leaf player. Kept in by Toronto. Riley works towards the net. Scores! What a nifty little move by the veteran Mo! And Mo has two! A pair of goals for Morgan Riley is all the Leafs would need. They are 2 1 winners at home tonight against the New York Rangers. Jack Campbell shutting the door pretty much, other than the Dryden Hunt goal in the third period. I mean, Gord, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that was the clinical defensive third period you, you would have liked. Things got a little hairy there, but they're all not going to be Picasso's. And the fact that you could hang on, you get some big saves, you get some timely clears, and, and it, it just feels like another solid effort from this Leafs team. Uh, Jim Ralph and, and Joe Ralphie was mentioning on the, the sign off just about that was um, yeah, that was that was a very astute timeout by Sheldon Keefe. That was a good read of uh, the momentum for the first time had drastically changed. The Rangers get on the board early in the third period and kind of like that uh, Canada Mexico soccer game in the last five or six minutes. Right. Yeah. All of a sudden the Rangers had a little bit of that going at it against the Leafs. So I, I, I like that timeout. And, and you're right. It wasn't uh then after that, they weren't hanging on for dear life as much like they were over those five or six minutes. And I got to tell you one stat. I don't know how often I see a team winning 80% of the faceoffs. I cannot remember the last time because I go over them all. I go over all the box scores every day around the National Hockey League. It'll be 11 games tonight. You do the same thing. We'll take a look at them. 80% faceoffs to Maple Leafs. 80-20. And in the third period and with the goaltender pulled by the Rangers, that really came into play. Winning faceoffs is so huge. And the Leafs obliterated the New York Rangers in the faceoff circle. Yeah, I mean, Tavares had a couple of huge wins down down the stretch there. And, you know, I'm just sitting here going through the centers on this team. And, you know, Austin Matthews is not necessarily known for that. But looking at his face-off numbers last year, this year hasn't been quite the start he would want. But last year, he was a beast in the face-off dot. Tavares, two huge wins down the stretch. Camp isn't maybe your traditional center that wins all the draws like you would think a guy in his role does. But he gets more than his fair share. And then Spezza, we know they use him all the time on the penalty kill to win the draw and then get out of dodge and get an actual penalty killer out there. So anytime you have four centers that you can really trust to kind of do that job, to win that that draw that you have to have, it, it may seem like a little thing, but it just sets you up in such a better position. So yeah, I'm, I'm really happy you you brought that up because I mean, you know, a night like tonight from Tavares, uh, he, he does get an assist on the Riley goal, but it, it feels to me like his biggest contribution had to be the, those two big wins down the stretch because honestly, Gord, I, I don't know how time works I I thought every minute was the that was the longest minute of my life the last the last minute of that Leafs game it felt like there were 37 chances where the Rangers came down with a three on two I was having a heart attack listen to Bowen and Ralph calling it there that that was the longest final minute I could remember in a long time well and the 80 percent faceoff win is really big on a 2-1 game close and yeah you know the last couple of minutes as great as the Leafs were getting the puck out the Rangers had that play where they would wire it to the uh, winger on the boards, right? The right winger on yep. the boards who was who was positioned at the Leaf blue line. And it was like something the Leafs weren't prepared for. That part was kind of weird because the Leafs would do a good job getting the puck out, uh, a couple of flips without being icings. Mitch Marner did one of them. And then the Rangers wired it, and all of a sudden they took the Leafs' zone rather effortlessly. And I kind of thought, man, oh, man, oh, man, there's something either that would give Rangers uh, – 
uh, pro scouting credit for it and uh, give Leafs uh, again at that particular point uh, you know you don't have a lot of time to react and adjust what have you but uh, not able to do it I mean they just kept going back into your to your longest minute of your life career I think I've had longer minutes but I know what you mean it's kind of up there uh, that's what happened they all of a sudden would take the zone and I'm not saying they got a glorious scoring chance but they were in they were in, in a pretty good place that you didn't think two seconds earlier they'd be in yeah, there were a couple of incredible plays by the Rangers to keep the puck in. Uh, Panarin had one where he batted it out of the air, and you know I, I would have liked to see that reviewed. I don't know how you how you purposely or perfectly pick a puck out of the air to say it was is on or offside, but that was an incredible play by him to bat it in. And then I think it was Fox who who had another. And and you know I think that's the other thing. Like we we talk about it all the time. We've seen the Leafs be kind of in the opposite version of this game before, where they kind of play the role of the Rangers, where he where where they. They've kind of played a whole hum game and then really pour it on in the last final minutes. Like the Rangers have some talented players and it was never going to be uh, a cakewalk there. So I, I, I don't think I can sit here and, and, you know, really, really worry too much about, oh, it wasn't the clinical end that you would always like for the Leafs because at the end of the day, a team is talented at the Rangers. Like they're going to make you work for it. It wasn't going to just be a clinical 60 minutes. Like there was going to be pushback at some point in time. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I mentioned before, like the Rangers lease both very much trending in the right direction. Rangers had won four in a row. But what I constantly heard was the Rangers are playing well, but I'm a little underwhelmed how they're playing. A lot of people saying that. A lot of people covering the New York Rangers. And I kind of could see that again tonight. You know, there's there's. Um, yeah, they got a good thing that's come together, but uh, uh, as far as the Leafs were the more impressive team and, and the Rangers, that little bit of it factor, uh, they didn't seem to have. Yeah, and the, and the, I think it just it's it's been amazing how the every time it seems like now not during that four game stretch or four or five game stretch where they were really going through it, but since they've been on this tear now ten out of eleven I believe if not nine out of ten it seems like every time we have a question of well where's the depth scoring is the depth scoring going to come you get goals from Camp and Kasha lately we've been asking okay can you get anything from your blue line is that going to give you anything and then tonight Morgan Riley gets the two goals I mean I guess the next thing we'd be saying is hey what happened to the big guys aren't they supposed to be scoring and I have no doubt that, that Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander, one of those guys is going to find the, the back of the net next time out. Like, it is amazing how, to me, how many different facets of this team have kind of clicked in this. You would, you would think at the, the streak this team is on, okay, you'd have Jack Campbell playing the way he's playing, but you'd think it would just be, you know, a dominant stretch from Matthews and, and Marner or, or, you know, pick any two. And it's been that at times, but it's also been the depth kind of shining through. And I think that's the most encouraging thing that you could really start to believe how good this team is. Well, that's what lacked in those three games against Montreal, right? I mean, the big guns weren't going, but somebody else, could they not have picked it up in one of those three games uh, that the Leafs and we keep uh, we keep going over and going over, but because it's it's a little puzzling, a little bit baffling. And I think, to your point, tonight tonight was the grunts. Tonight was the grunts. I mean, they, they, they were the ones that, you know, played their game and rose to the forefront and, and made a difference. And, again, we keep talking about getting to game number 83, which they will get to, no problem especially as we talk about the Atlantic Division, Buffalo getting obliterated, Montreal getting waxed by Pittsburgh tonight. But, yeah, just, just those things like uh, protecting leads in the third period, which they've been good at, and also getting some depth. And the depth players uh, out outperforming the New York Ranger depth players tonight. Yeah, definitely. I, I've behaved myself for the past few games, so I'm going to do it here. 
I love Michael Bunton going right at Strom late there. And, you know, part of it is I just love the the tenacity and all that. But I did think that was a moment in the game where the Leafs kind of needed their spark. They needed some jump. New York had been kind of carrying the play. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you Michael Bunting getting in a half fight with with, Stro- with one of the Strom brothers is the reason why that, that they turned it around. But it just feels like, again, a player like him, you have to find ways to get involved, to be involved. And I know he was on the score sheet tonight, but I really like that, that, they, that he showed that in the third period as well yep yeah no and and i like the fact the officials didn't give penalties to either of them really it like was, that uh, you know he got in a good shot then he took a good shot from strom it was a uh, he had to be so pissed off because like it was weird it looked like it, it would have been kind of a softy goal it would have been kind of like that horrible goal that aaron dell gave up the first goal saturday in <laughs> buffalo but it just stuck at the post and then and then good on Shesterkin got a skate to pin it against the post and Bunting's going like, man, it should have gone in on its own and then I'm trying to tap it in, tap it in, just lying there and because uh, because of Shesterkin's skate there, whatever, couldn't put it in. So I think that was uh, a lot of the frustration came from that, Brent. Well, and he must have heard me screaming because I was screaming. I, I, I could not believe that that puck got, got blowing dead there. Uh, you know, let's bring in our producer, uh, Sam McKee. I haven't heard from him in a while on this program. You know, he's made his big star turn on Real Kipper and Bourne. But let's see if we can drag him back to his roots with Leaf Nation postgame here. Producer Sam McKee, what did you uh, – what was your big takeaway from tonight? Hey, boys. I, I... – I finally got a uh, working headset, and now I can hear a huge echo in my ears, guys. So maybe you guys can talk amongst yourself until that's fixed. Okay, okay. I will. Uh, I will oh, take the ball back now? from you. Yeah, you Are... know, what? just tell Sam we're doing the show in echo. So yeah, just, uh, yeah that's the that's the format. That <laughs> no, we're I'm doing better right now, now, guys. So, I'm yeah. good now. Yeah. No. So uh, yeah, I I think it's it's an interesting thing with this Leafs team because we love to talk about it on you know whenever we have our meetings, like you said, with my big star turned real kipper and born, and we always talk about it. it's like man. Preds don't look very good. Man, the Flyers don't look very good. Man, the Rangers, they don't look very good. And then you start to think, at what point is this, it's time to give the Leafs the credit for these other teams not looking good. They're playing a definite different brand of hockey than they've played in years past in this stretch. They're really starting to look like they're playing on the defensive side of the puck. And, you know, I don't think I would ever have said this when they signed David Camp and Andre Kasha in the offseason. But the way those two guys are playing as on, on a kind of a third-line role, and you can throw Engvall into it if you want, but I think those other two guys are kind of the engine of that line. You know, I never thought that I would think that that's the difference between this team and, you know, other teams that haven't got past the first round. Are David Camp and Andre Kasha playing as a defensive role the key to the Leafs getting past the first round? How's that for a take? I love it. I, I, I love it. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned Engvall there because, yeah, he has kind of found a home on that line. And, and look, when you have two players who have the chemistry that those guys just clearly do, that's kind of one of the benefits of it, right, is they can, you know, the high tide raises all boats or whatever the idea is there. And, you know, I noticed – I now it could have just been late on a change there, but I noticed it was Engvall out with Matthews and Marner at the tail end of the game trying to ice this thing. I think that might have just been a, a late change. But the fact that he is involved in that, and, you know, it's, it's amazing to me how quickly I've come to trust the Camp and Kasha line when they're out there especially in a game like this where you're sitting there with the 2-1 lead the minute and I know the, the last minute was the longest one of my life but other than that it, fe- it seems like the time just melts away when those guys are on the ice it just seems like the game is always in a good position it's always in hand and you can basically just guarantee yourself a minute closer to victory when you get those guys on the ice late in the game. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Now, hey, can one of you tell me why the faceoff stayed in the Toronto Maple Leaf zone on that puck that went over, over the glass? Is there 
a certain rule that I don't have on the tip of my tongue. You remember, like, it seemed like the Rangers put it over and then the faceoff stayed in the Toronto Maple Leaf zone? Are yeah, I don't be- I don't have a good answer on, on that one. Maybe, I, maybe go they ahead, saw Mickey. it in somebody's stick? I don't know. I, I don't know. That don't was know. a weird one. I agree. All right. So we all – McKee, do you have any refereeing gripe? I, I didn't like the quick whistle uh, at the late scramble there with the fourth line out there. Gord didn't like the faceoff, and I agree with him. Do you have any other refereeing gripes? I feel like no, they've I actually thought, been I... – oh, Go ahead. I thought they were generally really good. I, you know, I don't think they called too many penalties. I thought they kind of let them play. It was a good physical game between two pretty good defensive teams, I thought, and I didn't think there was a whole lot to be called. They called the ones they needed to, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, it was, you know, it, the, the, the blow on the dead was a little quick, but I mean, if the ref lose sight, loses sight of the puck, he loses sight of the puck, he blows the whistle. I mean, if maybe he's not in the right position. You can really kind of quibble with that but if he loses sight he blows a whistle I'm not going to fault him too badly on that one boys I don't I don't know if it was Garrett Rank who who blew it dead but I hope he has better eyes reading greens than he does finding the puck oh, okay, okay. Who, you're, who, you're, who, you're, uh, you're tough on the officials it. you're tough I, I I thought they let them play and uh and uh I mean I don't mind you being tough on the officials I'm kidding about that I just uh <laughs> um they didn't they didn't make a difference in the game and and uh I thought that old thing about letting them play not not that there were egregious things they let go it was uh Interesting game. I mean, there were exciting parts to it, but it's not like, you know, and to Sam's part earlier, you're talking about, oh, this other team isn't playing their best hockey. It, well, you, you're right. you got to give the Toronto Maple Leafs credit for that. But also, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning game and, and the Boston Bruin game, you know, were more of, yeah, that those two teams really brought it. And that, and that was great that those teams really vis- visually brought it and the Maple Leafs still won that. Uh, otherwise, if the other team isn't playing their A game, whether it's because what you're doing or not, uh, so what? Take the win. And maybe less entertainment value, but take the win. Yeah, absolutely, take the win. I'll, I'll lastly kind of throw this at you, McKee. You know, I feel like you've been you you have been one of the people, and you're you're kind of a voice of the fan base that's late to be pulled in. Like, okay, yeah, it's great. Okay, they're now twelve, three and one, or whatever, or five and one, or whatever the record is. Like, how long into the season is it going to take for for you? And I think a lot of people out there to buy it, to believe it, because I'm sitting here and I expect it to happen now, but I still am waiting for the other shoe to drop, and I don't even know what that is. Well, listen. You know, I, I think we've all talked, we've talked about it a million times, how scarred everybody was by that uh, by that first round disaster last year against the Montreal Canadiens. We don't need to spend a lot of time on that. And I don't think we're going to have to spend a lot of time talking about the Montreal Canadiens a lot this year because, boy, oh, boy, it's going south in a hurry there. But I, you got to get to the playoffs, right? And we talk about, oh, it only matters in the playoffs. Well, you got to be playing well when you get there. And they've started, you know, turning into a team that potentially is playing some good playoff-style hockey here. They're playing low-scoring games. I got to say, I am believing again. I'm an idiot. I'm back in. I'm believing again. But, yeah, I mean... That 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 goes by uh, by streaks as well as the as the team does here. You know when they when they lose five in a row sometime this year, talk to me again. But at this moment, boys, I am believing again. <laughs> oh, I love to hear it. That uh, that that warms me up. Uh, I mean, Good. hey, we're we're getting to that point. Like we're nearly a quarter of the way into the season. This was the Leafs' nineteenth game of the year. They play eighty-two. I'm not going to do math, but if there were eighty games in the season, that's pretty close. Pretty pretty close to a, a quarter of the way there. And yeah, yeah I I'm. I'm buying in. I honestly am. You know, it'd be different if we hadn't have seen. Uh, I'll throw back to you, Gord, here. And you mentioned it. You know, it'd be different if you hadn't played Boston, if you hadn't played Tampa, if you hadn't played some of these other teams that you, you think are going to be good. And, you know, I'll kind of throw the Flyers into there. We'll, we'll see where they settle. But I think that's the thing about it is that this hasn't been some soft schedule. It hasn't just been Montreal, Ottawa, and Buffalo you're beating up on. Like, these are, these are real teams you're playing well against. And I, I just feel like... He, 
I don't know how many more quote unquote tests there can be in the regular season. So you're buying in. So it's kind of the poker game of Leaf fans. You're buying mm. in. Mm. I'm out. Double down. Whatever. I'll go alone. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever it may be. Who's <laughs> bluffing? Yeah. Who's bluffing? Who's may, bluffing? Hope, please yeah. not the Leafs. I think. Please <laughs> not well, the Leafs. Yeah, I, I'm not a good poker player either, and I really don't have a great poker face either. That's why I'm good on radio, or better on radio than <laughs> than TV. I um, I don't know what to term it. Like I, I'm, I'm just uh, I, I, what happened to start was very real up until the Chicago game. That 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 was not media fabricated. That was not the Chicken Little complex. That was, you know, something's really something's really amiss here. It, First of all, to start that way, and then if it's going to continue that way, we got a real problem, and and that didn't make sense. Why why should a team this good uh, be be in that particular quandary? And they 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 righted the ship. They did this when Sheldon Keith came in two years ago for Mike Babcock. This time they didn't have to make a coaching change. So I guess I'm in. I don't know what the you know like I said I'm in. Uh, the playoffs are very much. A, it's not something they'll battle for. I, I just think it's going to be a given, and um, then let's see. I don't know. I don't know how you can be in for the playoffs. I've been for in in for all of them. I will be out of loyalty in for it, but uh, with, with with some kind of trepidation. I mean, I may fold a little bit early based on past history. I don't want. I want. I want to have the confidence, you know, to take take that card. Hit me. Hit me. I I got a ni- I got a nineteen. Okay, hit me. That takes a lot of guts. That takes tons of guts. So yeah. it's funny it, you talk about about these test games, and you know. I don't think there's a ton of really great teams across the NHL, right? Like, you look at the standings, you look at some of these teams, and you think in the East, you think of Florida, you think of Carolina. The Leafs don't play Florida until February or March for the first time. Like, they don't play them at all. They play them three times in March and February. So they're not going to get a test from them. for. And they've played against the Bruins, like you said. They've played against the, the Lightning. There just doesn't seem to be a lot of great teams across the NHL, and the Leafs are right in the mix at the top, so I think it's a good spot for them to be. Yeah, and I think it's funny because I'm I'm just sitting here looking at the schedule, going, "Well, who's the team that we'd hold up?" And it's like, okay, the Penguins been through this, although we all know how that went. The Islanders, yeah. not not last year's Islanders, the Kings. Okay, we've been there, done that. Sharks, Ducks. Okay, and then I'm sitting here looking at the Avalanche. They play the Avalanche December first at home. That's going to be their next game back after they're done this this mini road trip that's coming up. But even the Avalanche aren't what we think of. Like they're seven five and one this year. They've got off to a ho hum start, and it's just I. I I really don't know who's that team. I mean, again, it, you beat Boston, you beat Tampa. I, I don't know what what more you can ask other than to keep doing it. And it's just that I think is the most frustrating part and I think is going to be maybe the biggest challenge for Sheldon Keefe. You know, the fact that this group was able to was able to pull themselves out of that whatever they were going through and w- winning the Chicago game, that was good and that motivated them, I would imagine, and gives you something to play for. But we're really quickly kind of getting back into the same funk we were in during last year's North division season where you go, okay, what are you supposed to get out of these games? And I guess it's just Sheldon Keefe saying hard, hard, hard on the message that a three, nothing win is, is something, or, you know, a, a close win is something really excited to, to be happy about. Well, 31 teams versus six opponents, 31 opponents versus six. I mean, that that's huge just based on that, but it's a, uh... Uh, I, you know, I, I, I know what you mean about, uh, 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 that, that what happened last year and you kind of got, okay, okay, okay. Um, get to the finish line, great regular season. You know, what's next? We kind of, 
we kind of need to get to that next level in the playoffs before we can fully be comfortable in a, in a regular season. So uh, I, I just think the other part is you do control the higher you finish. Now, it should be a lesser opponent, but two years in a row they've had a lesser opponent. You know, Montreal was a much a lesser opponent last year. And the year before, I know Columbus was even on points, relatively speaking, but because the Leafs had made a charge, the Leafs were way better than the Columbus Blue Jackets talent-wise. So, you know, two years in a row, what they should be playing for this year, again, is 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 a better slot, home ice advantage, a hopefully weaker opponent. But even that wasn't enough the last two years in the playoffs. No, no, it wasn't. Uh, we'll see if this year's different. Tonight, tonight was different. A 2-1 win at home for the Leafs. Morgan Riley with both goals. That scored Stellick. I'm Brent Gunning. You're listening to Leafs Nation postgame on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and the Maple Leafs Radio Network. Leafs Nation postgame, Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick walking you through a 2-1 Leafs win at home over the Rangers. Morgan Riley with both Leafs goals this evening. And, you know, Gord, we've talked a lot about this team and the challenges they're finding throughout the regular season and what are they playing for and what does it all mean? Big questions like that. But I'm going to ask you a way simpler question. Is Scotiabank Arena becoming a really, really tough place to play? Because we have talked about crowds in this building and the vibe in that building with this team for so long, and it's not a scary place to come play, and other teams can feel comfortable here at times. And, you know, maybe it's a byproduct of this team playing really well, but it feels like all of a sudden it's a real tough thing to come into Scotiabank Arena and get two points from the Leafs. Yeah, you know, uh, my memory, and I'm talking way, way back, I'm talking the brief Pat Burns era, uh, when I say brief, the successful, real successful couple of seasons and then a little longer in the Pat Quinn era, which was later. And yeah, you, you notice that you notice that it was a tougher place to come and play when you're not a good team. Um, opponents, especially those from the GTA area, Ontario, they just kick your ass. They're so pumped and jacked to, yep. to play in front of family and friends. So it, it, it kind of is a it's it's a it's a double edged sword. And I'm seeing that now they're going to go on the road for a bit. OK, they're going to play Pittsburgh on Saturday. And again, Ralphie and Joe were talking about it and they're probably going to go to some cities they haven't been to for a couple of years. So um, they'll get away and, and have, have to catch up on some road games. But I think another thing to your point, they, they've made this or established this, that you're going to come into our building and are, are loyal. Maybe not the most raucous fans, but are loyal. Uh, pay pay a lot of money for ticket fans and basically sell it all the time. Uh, we're ma- we're making it a tough place for you to get a point and especially to get two points. Yeah, and I think I think it's getting a little more raucous. I think part of it is that you know everyone has live sports taken away from them for two years or thereabouts, and you kind of you know you, you know you miss it. And no, this isn't the you know this isn't uh, twenty thousand yelling and screaming the entire time. No, but if you give them something to get excited about, I think that crowd's uh, proved to be pretty excitable this year. You know, it's funny you mentioned that that road trip that's coming up, and everybody loves getting on the road. Everybody loves going on a trip, but I feel like Austin Matthews probably feels like he's getting like a little bit robbed the Leafs go to LA they go to San Jose they go to Anaheim and they don't go to Arizona it's always part of that trip it seems like that's always what they do and I'm sure Matthews I mean we know he always lights it up I mean there's a lot of buildings he lights it up in but uh he's not going to make that trip to Arizona until January it's a little it's just funny the way the schedule shakes out like that yeah, I remember once he had the perfect one they went there and then Christmas in Arizona uh you know it's, you, you mentioned Florida, that that kind of blip, and it's funny. This happened every year. It's like the computer, as we know, it has a memory, so it has kind of a template that comes out every year. Every year, there's a consistency that you see in about uh, about uh, things that uh, are, are 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 kind of jammed together in a small period of time, and things that are spread out. But uh, 
Uh, I, uh, yeah, I'm just uh, Austin Matthews, man. Austin Matthews, he wants to get back in that Rocket Richard scoring race, whether he's playing in California, playing in Toronto, playing in Arizona. And uh, he, he didn't happen tonight, but I, I like his presence. I just I just like him more and more, the assertiveness. I like, obviously, he's 100% healthy. I wonder how long, I wonder how much last year he was healthy. The guy won the Rocket Richard trophy, and I wonder, you know, what, what chunk of it he actually wasn't 100%. Well, yeah, that's the thing, right? Like we we sat here all season going, man, imagine how he's going to look with a healthy wrist. And now the wrist is, you know, healthy. We we think, we believe he had the surgery. So why wouldn't it be? And he's been far from bad or anything like that. But he just hasn't managed to kind of pop off the way the way you would think he, he would. And, you know, I do wonder what it's like for, for a player like him. You know, we always talk about these guys loving and wanting their cookies. And I don't think by any means Matthews is sitting there sulking. But, you know... You, when a team's going as well as it would, you would think it's kind of on the back of him and he just hasn't quite had that season. And you always wonder what it's like for a guy like that who is used to his individual success, kind of driving team success. Again, I I think it's far from an issue or anything like that, but you do wonder what's going on in his head. Yeah. And by the way, you talked earlier about the, uh, the house, the building that's coming come at your own uh, trepidation and try yes. to win so our buddy stevie fell in the stats whiz you guys got it as well so jack campbell's last 20 home games 17 2 and 1 17 2 and 1 in the last 20 home games 0.932 save percentage 1.90 goals against average three shutouts yeah yeah it's it's a tough place to win and on the other side you know there's team there's team team first and there is team first but Everybody wants their cookies. Everybody wants their apples. Everybody wants whatever. They do. They do. And, you know, I, I can remember way back when uh, somebody, my brother and I knew from university, was dating a member of the Philadelphia Flyers. And she wasn't a big hockey fan. She dated him for a couple of years. And she just said the only time she watched was when he was on the ice. And she said <laughs> a lot of the spouses weren't very and friend or friends weren't different either about, you know, kind of their, their kind of their interests. So there's a team game, but there's always uh, there's always a personal component. You just can't make that personal component obvious. Yeah, and I should probably put in perspective uh, just just how good the season Matthews is having. Uh, 14 points in in 14 games. Uh, picked up another tonight in the 15th. So he's now 15 for 15 uh, in terms of picking up points this this season, or at least 15 points in 15 games. Uh, seven goals already. Again, this is still a guy who's tracking towards a like 37 ish goal season. Far, far, far from anything uh, to to sneeze about there, but not the 50 ish that he always kind of expects to be around. And and we know he's a streaky goal scorer. Like we. We've seen it before. Normally, the streaks are not long in terms of games without goals. But once he finds the back of the net once or twice, that usually leads to a big, long run for him. And Brett, I'm just holding on. I'm breaking it down here. So 15 Ooh. points in 15 games. Austin Matthews is averaging a point a game. You nailed it. You did yeah. it, Gord. Yeah. You got the green You got the green visor on like you're an accountant. Yeah. We don't you need Stevie Fellin on that. We don't need Stevie Fellin. Yeah. So, you know, 82 game, 82 point pace, which isn't too shabby. Mitch Marner at a solid. Anyway, it's uh, it, it's just a fun kind of thing. You're sitting around and, and just chatting, chatting positives. It's just that and give them credit. Like two years ago when they dug a real deep hole and it took a coaching change to them for them to start getting out of it. The whole hole was not as deep this time, but yeah, they've righted it. And it's not just about getting the W's or just a couple and then going in the tank again. It's uh, getting back on track. And, and I don't know, five, you know, I wonder how much you lose your identity again when you, when you, 
exit the playoffs again, and that's your last memory. And all summer long, that's what you're that's what's playing in your mind, right? And you're kind of forgetting the 56 regular season games that there's so many positives. And you know, you know, maybe maybe that's what happens. It just takes a little bit of time. You get going, and now you start going. Yeah, I remember that. I remember before Game Five against Montreal. This is kind of more what we were about. Yeah, it, it is, and uh, we'll, we'll now bring in uh, Luke Fox. Always love getting him on after a Leafs game. Really love getting him on after a Leafs win. Luke, how are you doing tonight? Pretty good. Uh, the boys seem to be playing some good hockey in the last couple of games. It's uh, it's pretty impressive, actually. Well, it, and it is, and, you know, I, I think the thing is is that if the Leafs were sitting here and winning games 6-2 or, you know, you know potting a million goals every night, we'd go, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> we know we know that's not going to happen in, in, in May, April, and in, in June. But this can't happen. A 2-1 win where you carry the play for, for I don't know, something along 50 minutes for, for me, and then you kind of hang on at the end, get some hot goaltending. Like, I, I, you'd like it to be a little more dominant towards the tail end of, of tonight's game, but that was pretty much a blueprint for how you win in the playoffs, at least it feels like to me. No, absolutely. You're, you're right, Gunnar. Um, and Sheldon Keith was saying that, you know, he, he thinks that, yeah, it would be nice to – to have a bit more of a buffer on the scoreboard and, and score a few more times, but they nearly did, right? Like Simmons almost poked that one that was sitting on the goal line. Um, but these are the types of games that you have to learn to win. And Austin Matthews and Morgan Riley have been talking about it. They feel a little bit more comfortable in these one goal games. And when it comes to the springtime, that's, that's the game you're going to have to win. So I think these are all valuable lessons. Uh, I mean, for me, the, the obvious is Jack Campbell, the fact that he's he's standing on his head the last few games here, um, and he's played more hockey than any other goalie in the league. Um, he's putting up, you know, he has three shutouts now. His save percentage was over 940 coming into this, and it was over 960 tonight, so I don't have time to do the math, but it's good. Um, and, you know, the, the fact that the power play is rolling, 10 goals in its last 10 games, these are all good things. But the commitment to team defense um, has really stood out to me, uh, both in the, the Nashville game and the one tonight. There seems to be a, a better connection between the forwards and the defensemen in terms of getting the puck out of the zone. And the forwards seem a lot more committed to back-checking um, and, uh, than they were early in the season. I think that's all played into this, this little win streak here. And Yeah, and I, I'm sort of picking up where you, you guys, uh, what we talked about as well. Game five, six, or seven, this would have been a perfect kind of game for the foot soldiers and team defense to have made a difference against Montreal. And I know we go back there too often, but that that's where we have to go back. That's the blight. And to furthermore what you talk about, that that's exactly the kind of game. So, you know, someone, someone being a difference maker, some other style, rather than the big four guys scoring, which was the case last year and the year before against Columbus. Yeah, and, and when you're talking about other than the big four scoring, the Leafs hadn't been getting many goals from the blue line lately. So the fact that Morgan Riley got one in Buffalo to kind of break out of his, his drought to start the season, and then he gets two more tonight, I, I think that bodes well um, for the team as well because it's not going to be every night that, that Austin fills the net or, or that Mitch sets someone up for an easy tap in. They have to get it from other sources. So, you know, coming into this game, it was the Cash of Camp. Uh, duo getting a little bit of offense going. Kerfoot's chipped in as of late, and now it's nice to see Morgan Riley feeling it. You know, he was a lot more chatty after this one. I think it just makes makes someone feel good when they're contributing offensively, especially a guy like 
Morgan, who paints himself as an offensive defenseman and likes to jump in the rush. The fact that he had that really sweet toe drag goal, went five hole on Shesterkin. Uh, that was a nice one. And the guys talked about getting more traffic in front of Shesterkin after he, I think he had 40 saves in the Rangers uh, win here a month ago. Um, so Bunting, you know, gets in front of his eyes and Morgan floats one in from the blue line to open the scoring. So, um, you know, the fact that they're, purposely spreading some of the uh, the offense uh, I think it bodes well for the team long term that that means without a shadow of a doubt that the Leafs were listening to Leaf Station pregame before the game because that was one of Gord's three keys to victory absolutely uh, life un- uncomfortable absolutely. on Shister it's piped so in I there just, it's piped in I'm happy to know that you know we get a little a little credit uh, at least you know I'll, I'll pick up where you left off on Riley there it's funny how many conversations do we all have this summer last year early on this year what is the exact perfect formation of the power play? Should Mitch Marner be here? Should he be in the bumper spot? Where do you want Matthews? And that stuff is all important, and you want to have a system. You want to have some idea what you want to do. But when a power play is really, truly humming, there is none of that. Guys are just moving around, and you're finding yourself in good spots. The least power play is not designed for Morgan Riley to toe-drag someone and snap at five-hole. But that's what happens when you have as many talented players as they do and the power plays rolling. Like it's amazing how quickly the idea of the formation kind of goes out of our heads, or at least it does for me. Yeah. I mean, you can have a plan, but um, you got to let the natural skill and instinct of these guys, they've all been in the league a bunch of time. They all have elite hands, all, all five guys that are on that top unit. Like some of it just comes down to reading and reacting to the moment. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing. And on the power play, especially, um, I don't know if it's so much by design, but I think it's more execution. Like their passes are crisper. Their decision-making seems quicker. They seem to be, you know, operating with purpose um, when they're, when they're five on four. Uh, and I think that just swells from having put the puck in the net a bunch of times. You start feeling good. You start feeling we can do this. And I think what happened last year, it was like a, a snowball effect the bad way. You know, it's like, oh, here we go again. We haven't scored in three games. We haven't scored in eight games. And it just gets in your head. Um, so Morgan was talking a, a little bit about that, that some of this is, is momentum and just riding that and feeling good every time you hop over the boards. And I think we're seeing that. There's nothing more potent than the defenseman coming late and adding to the offense. And, you know, Morgan Riley never has scored in double digits goals except the one year he got 20. He got 20 and he got 72 points. And that's when you started thinking, okay, maybe double-edged sword there. He could be a Norse Trophy consideration, which I think was was viable. And and I I, 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 I take it, I guess that's not fair to expect that all the time. But, uh, man, it's just weird to get have something like that get 20 and never hit double digits again. I, I would hope moving forward, maybe this helps him get double digits. Yeah. I mean, 20 is a, a special number and, you know, he may not hit that again, but I, I think double digits should be within grasp, especially if he maintains that position on the, on the top unit. Um, and you know what, but it's, it, for him, it's, it's a, about his full game. You know, he logs the most minutes of anyone on the blue line um, since Zach Bogosian left, he's stepped up his penalty-killing role a little bit more. Um, you know, he's obviously a, a leader in that room as well in terms of working with the young guys, being a voice uh, for that room. So, um, you know, and then he just leads by example, not only on the ice, but I think just, you know, the fact that he re-upped and signed that deal for 
what less money than he probably would have got on the open market and kind of just laid his cards on the table and said, I want to be part of this. I believe in this group. I think we can get it done here. Um, and I think he's played a, a little bit freer since since that uh, uncertainty is no longer hanging over his head. I really liked his game the last couple of weeks. Like I, I think he's he's been pretty stellar, um, and he's really important. Even if he doesn't get a point in in terms of transitioning the puck out of the D zone and getting it in the right hands um, moving forward. So uh, I think he's off to a really nice season, Morgan Riley. Yeah, he he made an incredible play at the very end there, kind of diving to poke the puck out of uh, out of harm's way in the dying minutes there. And you know, we think the Morgan Riley contract's a steal now. If he does have himself a fifteen-ish goal season, boy, that that number is only going to look better and better and better. Luke, <laughs> thanks so thanks so much for joining us, man. Really, really appreciate it. Why limit him to fifteen? Just keep going. Sky's the limit. Hey, you don't Hello. tempt me. You you know I'll give him fifty before we're done on the air tonight. Leafs to one ten of eleven. Man, the sky truly is the limit. Ah, uh, Luke, thanks so much, buddy. All right, have a good one, guys. There he goes, Luke Fox, Jukebox. Follow by Twitter. Read his pieces on Sportsnet.ca. Yeah, I mean it, it is funny. The guy has a little pressure taken off of him in Morgan Riley, and he starts performing better. And you you know I don't want to have this conversation because I'm so sick and tired of talking about contracts. But it's amazing how him playing a little more free can make that deal look like even more of a steal than I think it is. <laughs> well, I never call it a steal. I do call it. I don't know what the term is, you know. And I, when people will talk about taking a haircut, when you're making millions of dollars, I don't, you know, <laughs> the, the taking a haircut, I don't quite get. So it, it'll be uh, something with Jack Campbell as well about, you know, um, if money's everything, then money's everything. And you got a lot of uh, athletes that'll come back and say that was the right way to go, but others will say, yeah, no, maybe that wasn't the way to go. So. Uh, there were other – I love the fact that he would, likes being a Toronto Maple Leaf and committed, and I hope that – and I believe, particularly being a veteran, that Jack Campbell uh, acknowledges that, that it's a two-way street. It's a mutually beneficial thing. Yep, let's uh, let's hope, and uh, let's hear from the Leafs head coach, Sheldon Keefe. We'll do that on the other side. You're listening to Leafs Nation postgame. Gord Stellick, Brent Gunning here, walking you through a 2-1 Leafs win on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and the Maple Leafs radio network. Leafs Nation postgame, Brett Gunning, Gord Stellick here with you following a Leafs 2-1 win at home over the New York Rangers. Morgan Bradley scored once in the first period, and he thought, you know, that was fun. Let's do it again. He got the other goal in the second period there. Dryden Hunt, the lone goal scorer for the Rangers tonight. Leafs stay red hot, and let's hear what the head coach, Sheldon Keefe, has to say following the win. Uh, he pulls it out, but there's some teaching moments from that third period. Teaching moments in every period, thought especially in the first. We started the game. We started the game really well. We were we were lights out early, and moving the puck well. Defensively, we're really good. I don't think we got a lot in terms of shots on goal in the first ten minutes, but we also I think the shots might have been three to one or something like that to start the first ten minutes. We were in really really good control there. I, I thought, and we got a little bit too comfortable. But you know, if I we moved the puck, I thought we turned it over. A lot in that back half of the first period and kind of gave them some some life. Uh, yeah, there's teaching moments in the third, but I, you know, it's not going to be perfect when you're protecting a lead. Um, you know, the goal we gave up. You know, you don't want to give that up, but you know, they throw it in from the wall, hits the skate, and bounces into the slot, and you know, that's uh, you know, that stuff's going to happen. That's why, you know, playing with just 
one goal, one little lead like we have um, in recent games. It's, it's that's dangerous territory, even two. It's dangerous usually, you know, in this league, you're you get to three, you're in pretty good space, and uh, we weren't able to get there tonight, so it made it a little harder on ourselves than than it perhaps uh, should have been. But yeah, I thought I thought we were calm throughout, and. I thought we did a good job, you know. Uh, you're going against a team with that level of skill that they have. You're going to have to rely on your goaltender and make some saves. But uh, I don't think we gave up much today in terms of uh, odd man rushes and such. Obviously, the Panarin breakaway in the third period we don't we don't like. Um, comes at the end of a dominant offensive zone shift, and then we lose the puck and, and they get in behind us. So that perhaps is a bit of a teaching point for us in terms of that balance. That line's pushing, trying to score. They, they're winning their shift really well, and then all of a sudden it breaks open on you, and that's really what New York's looking for in that in that spot. But we always find ways to, to teach out of each game, and but overall I thought it's another good effort from our team. What terms You know what? I, I just felt <clears throat> obviously they had made it 2-1, and they were really pushing – there were a couple of shifts after that, a couple of sequences in a row that they were really pushing. And uh, our team's more than comfortable now. We've played in these situations a lot, but you're just sitting there as a coach, and they've just scored one, and now they're they're pressing on you a little bit, and you know you're you're gonna feel pretty terrible if if you know they they tie the game and you haven't done anything. So it was really just about I just talked to the team. Let's just relax. We don't have no reason to panic here. Let's just breathe, reset. We know how to play in these these situations. So. Just get back to it. In terms of team defense, how would you explain the strides your guys have taken from the beginning of the season? I just think we're far more connected in terms of the relationship between our forwards and defensemen and how they're playing together. I also think that, you know, just in general, our players are just comfortable on the defensive side of the puck, not forcing things on the offensive side. We had a lot of guys early in the season, you know, that are trying to, jumpstart their season offensively and looking to get going and you know that tends to change your mindset a little bit as a team and took us a little bit to get to this place but I think we're in a good spot here now you know throughout our lineup about how we need to play and be comfortable in these situations we want to be able to extend our lead so it's not as tight you know but I think in the long run these types of games will serve us well. Wayne spoke to us yesterday. He said, you know, he understands the depth in the organization. still tough to sit a game on, on Saturday because it's been so long for him. What's your perspective on how he responded and dealt with that? Yeah, I thought Wayne was really good today. It was, it was difficult to get that line on the ice today. Uh, you know, the Rangers kept kind of throwing their fourth line out and, like, at times against our top players. And I wasn't necessarily willing to match that in terms of our fourth line against their best people. So that made it a little difficult to get them out there at times. But I thought the shifts that they did get, I thought the line generated for us. Obviously a huge goal for us, uh, you know, Morgan's first goal there. That line does a really good job um, between Simmons winning a, uh, winning a battle with the puck, getting to the top, bunting with his traffic, and, you know, Morgan with the initiative to put it to the net. And they, you know, they're, I don't know how that puck didn't go in there on the goal line in the third period, but um, you know those guys were in good spots. With the you know they didn't get a lot of ice time, as I say. But I think they made an impact in the game, and 
I think Wayne overall, as we look at the body of work throughout the season, has done a good job. He's adjusted well to the fact that we've, you know, we've altered his role a little bit here early on as we've looked to give, you know, the likes of Richie and Bunting and such a little bit extra, you know, the power play time. So that's taken away something that's, that's been a big part of Wayne's career. Um, so his minutes drop there, and he's he's adapting to that. But I, you know, I think you know, you know that he's done a good job for us throughout. We just gotta, you know, when you're in that situation, as I've talked to him about, at times you're gonna come out. I mean, it may have nothing to do with your game. You know, it's just that you know, we have a 13th forward here in Semyonov, and when you want to get him in, and the forwards are remaining healthy, somebody's got to come out. You know, so you know, uh, Spez has come out in the past. You know, Wayne's in, in that, that very similar situation here. So you know, we'll continue to monitor that, but I, I do think Wayne's done a good job for us. Good have Sheldon for uh, Feather and the cap from Morgan for two goals tonight, Sheldon. But what do you see from overall, the minutes he plays for you guys, the competition he plays against, and all that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, really good. I mean, he's an offensive defenseman, you know, and, and looks to make plays. He's active offensively, so it's nice to see the puck go in for him. That is important, but he's, he's, done, a, he's done a really good job for us defensively. Um, obviously, he's been a huge part of our power play, which has been rolling here for us. And, you know, obviously our goaltending has been outstanding, but our special teams on both sides of it, power play and penalty kill, that's, that's a huge reason why, you know, we've been rolling as a team here pretty well. And, and Morgan's a huge part of that. Um, but I just think his game's been very well-rounded here now for quite some time, I think. You know, the defensive responsibilities that we've given him, he's taken that on, his gap control, defending at the blue line. We've been happy with that. Um, I thought as I look back at the last season's playoff series that he was really, really good in those in that regard in terms of how he defended. And he contributes so much to us offensively to help keep our players moving uh, from breakout to the neutral zone, to the offensive zone. Yeah, he's so important to our team in that way. There is Sheldon Keefe ending his post-game availability talking about the longest-serving Leaf, Morgan Riley Leafs. 2-1 winners at home tonight against the Rangers. They're back at it on Saturday at home against the Penguins. We'll have the game on Sunday on the road in Long Island. Gord, back-to-back this weekend. Which game do you start the backup in, Saturday or Sunday? Uh, back up on the road. It's going to be the second game for the Islanders in the new building. They've been on the road forever. They'll open it Saturday against Calgary, but that's where I put Joseph Wall on Sunday. I agree. I agree. We'll have a post-game pod after the game on Saturday. We'll have the game on Sunday. Thanks so much for listening. This has been Leafs Nation post-game.